Welcome to Abiding Hope Worship Center's podcast. We pray that you're inspired, challenged, and encouraged as you listen to a message from Pastor Raphael. We're going to continue our second part of our series, Heart for the House. This is going to be a three-week series, and this is going to deal with hurts, receiving our healing, finding new hope, and expressing that hope with love for others. And I promise you, you don't want to miss this series. You don't want to miss the messages on this. If you were not here last week, we have it on Facebook Live. You can go out there and look at it. If you follow us on Facebook, we do have a podcast that we have. Look up Abiding Hope, those of you who do podcasts. Or if you can't find it on either Facebook, because you don't do Facebook, or you don't do podcasts, go on our website, and you can find out all the messages that are there for you to be able to watch and go back and watch them, including those of you who are watching online. You could go at, at www.abidinghope.online, and you have all the messages there. You just scroll down to the bottom, and you have it there for you. All right? So we all have unique situations, different things that we are dealing with, but we all have something in common. We are determined to get to a place where we'll be expressing the hope that we have and share that with love to others. Amen? You want to get to that place where we are expressing the hope that we have and share that with others. Here's the thing. When we are given a gift to minister to somebody or love on somebody, does God want us to keep that gift to ourselves? Does he want us to walk around like this? Does he, you know, if you heard Matthew's story, right? He, if God's given him the gift, the ability to love on those with special needs, and so if he has that gift and he says, well, I'm not going to use that, is that for God's glory? No, God's called us to use those gifts. So whenever we have hope, our goal is to bring hope to those who are hopeless, amen? And even though you may not find hope yet, maybe you say, well, pastor, I'm still searching for hope. I'm looking for that. I don't know where to find that. Well, you come to church and receive that hope. And so we've been dealing with some of the pain that we have dealt with in the past. Many of us have been hurt in the church. I myself have been hurt by church. Okay, it starts in my childhood. I got hurt in the church. I grew up in the Bronx, New York. That's just, that's, that's tough enough as it is in the Bronx, New York, okay? And I was hurt in the church in the Bronx, New York. An unfortunate situation took place over in my life, and, but that did not keep me from going to church, right? And when I told my mother about what happened, she didn't really believe me at the time, but then she realized that it was true. And so I won't go into more details about that, but so we all experience church hurt, right? And, but here's the thing. Whenever we go through an experience, it's not for us to keep it to ourselves. We, we learn from these experiences, and we grow from these experiences so we can help somebody else. And what I want you to do is, what's more importantly than this showing up, I want you to listen to the messages that we're going to learn each week, and I want you to use that as a tool that you can apply to your everyday lives because ultimately we want people to be blessed by what we have to say to them what we grow through in our experiences, the difficulties that we've been through in our lives. We want to be able to show that somebody how to navigate through the hurt and pain that they're going through, but how can we help somebody if we need help ourselves? And here's the thing. We cannot continue to be like, and I'm not pointing anybody out here, don't take this personal. If you are taking it personal, maybe the Holy Spirit is saying something to you, okay? But we can't get to the place where we don't want to get help, and so how can we be helpful to somebody else? You're not able to help anybody else if you're not willing to get help yourself. And if you're not willing to be a disciple of Christ, get disciple, how can you disciple somebody else? The thing about that is, as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ, our goal is to be discipled and make disciples of other nations, of other people, right? That is the great commission. But some of us, 
Don't want to even be part of discipleship. Barely even show up on Wednesday night. You see what I'm saying? And so how are we going to make disciples if we're not being disciples ourselves? And so what we're learning is we're trying to learn to be more like Christ so we can produce that in other people's lives. We have to grow in our relationship with the Lord. And, some, and that starts with growing past our hurt and being able to have the tools necessary to be able to get over our hurt and be helpful for other people. So today I'm talking about receiving your healing. We dealt with the hurt last week, and I, I believe the hurt will continue to be dealt with this morning, but also receiving your healing set you up for that. And so I ended the message last week by giving you some points to apply right away in your journey towards forgiveness. Who remembers those points? Anybody remember the points from last week? There were five of them on how to forgive someone. Number one, acknowledge your part in what happened. Acknowledge your part. It's so easy for us to say, they hurt me. Okay, but every single one of us has part in that. Whether we realize that or not. And I shared with you last week that I was hurt by somebody that I worked with, a pastor that I worked with. I was hurt by him. And I finally got to the place that for me to get my healing, I apologized to them. And did I get that in return? Nope. I didn't get nothing, no apologize in return. But you know what? After I apologized to them, I was free. I could experience the love of Christ more. I could be used by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so some of us, we have to acknowledge your part in what happened. Number two that I ended up with last week is understand what God has forgiven you from. Every single one of us has been forgiven from something. None of us came out of the womb perfect like Jesus, right? We've all been forgiven. We know the song, I'm forgiven because you were forsaken, right? I'm on audition for American Idol. Anyway, so. Right? We all know that song. We don't, we, we've been forgiven for something. The Lord has forgiven us. Amen? We didn't walk out of our, our mother's womb saying, I'm preaching the gospel right now. No, we had to. We had, and I was telling this to Amelia the other day in the car. I was saying, you know, some things we are born naturally and other things we learn from our parents. So that's why it's important for me to get right with God and live for the Lord so that they follow that model that I'm modeling for them. But the thing that comes naturally out is when they first are born, most kids will cry. When they come out of the womb, right? They're not, they're not taught that. It's a natural. They're already, we're already created to do that. But there's other behaviors that we pick up from other people. That's why I said it's very important that we be careful who we surround ourselves with because we pick up behavior from other people, right? And so understand that God has forgiven you of our behavior, our past. He's forgiven us for that. And guess what? It doesn't stop when you give your life to Jesus. He forgives you every single day. If you're with me, say amen. Right? Here's the third thing that I ended with last week. I said this, choose to forgive. Tell God you forgave the person and ask him to help you continue to forgive. Okay, you made a decision. I'm going to forgive. But you know what? We need help daily to forgive that person, especially how deeply they might have hurt us. Right? Man, we got some hurt that we've been dealt with in life. I had, you know, one of my, I had a sibling of mine that their goal was to make fun of me. Used to make fun of everything, the way I talked, the way I dressed, everything. That was their goal. And I discovered later on, that was their love language. That was their way to connect with me. Matter of fact, I was actually his favorite, and that's why he picked on me. But it didn't, it didn't feel good at the time. You see what I'm saying? It made me struggle with my, my, uh, my, my insecurity. It made me insecure because of him making fun of me. It damaged me. He didn't even realize it. He was just loving his little brother, and that was his way of communicating that love right? And so we have to choose to forgive. And I, I had to choose to forgive and continue to choose to forgive because sometimes he would still say something to me. And I'm like, dude, 
I'm not a kid anymore. I'm a grown man. What's up? Leave me alone, you know? And, uh, but I continue to choose to forgive. That's just the way he communicates. And that, that's not an excuse for people to treat us that way. It's that you try to get to understand the person and forgive them when they hurt you, right? It's hard, though. It's hard. And I'm not saying that if you're in a dangerous situation that you constantly forgive that person and, and keep yourself there. If you're in a dangerous situation, get away from that situation and heal so that you can forgive in the future. Amen? All right? I'm not saying that. So don't, don't, get me mis, don't get me wrong by thinking that you stay in that situation and continue to forgive. No. If you're in a, an abusive situation, get out. Get away from there. Pray for that person. Let the Lord heal you. I'm not, I'm not promoting divorce, okay? What I'm saying is get out of that situation and pray, and then you see what God can do after that. Amen? And that you're able to forgive that person, but don't stay stuck in that abusive situation. Okay? Number four, treat the person like you forgave them, even if you don't like it, feel like it. Treat them like that. Man, I've forgiven this person. I don't like them. I don't like the stuff that they did to me, but I've forgiven them. I'm going to treat them like that. How do I do that? I show them love the best way I know how. And guess what? My sibling, my brother, one of my brothers, I got so many of them, okay? He's Puerto Rican, big family, okay? Hey, forget about it. So anyways, so one of my brothers is the way I show him is I treat him, I forgive him by playing around with him too. He likes to make fun of me, so I make fun of him. That's his love language, right? I've forgiven him, so I'm going to make fun of him too. You know, I, I, I joke around with him. I call him big head or I call him this, that, and the other, you know? Good words, I promise you. I don't, you know, but... I just give it back to him because that's the way he likes to treat people, right? And so I treat him like I've forgiven him by doing the same thing with him. And I get to a point that it doesn't bother me no more. But when I was a kid, it did bother me. And he didn't even realize that until I pointed that out to him. Number five, continue to choose forgiveness. Continue to choose forgiveness. That's a hard thing to do, but continue to do that. So that's what I left off last week. And we end it by praying and asking the Lord to help us apply this. So here we are today. It's time that we strapped on our seatbelts. The captain has put on his fasting seatbelt signs. We are launching in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Turn your Bible with me to Proverbs 4, chapter, verses 23 to 27. Proverbs 4, verses 23 to 27. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And this is our particular passage of Scripture that is based for our series, okay? This is where we started at. This is what we're going to focus on. And last week, we looked at verse 23 to 24, and this week, we're going to continue the rest of the verses, but because this is, our entire, this is the text for our entire series, we're going to read the whole thing again. Proverbs 23, 27, if you didn't bring the Bible, it's on the screen for you. It says this, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk, stay away from corrupt speech. That's some words of wisdom, right? Most of the time, Solomon has written these words down, so he said to guard your heart above all else. Avoid all perverse talks, stay away from corrupt speech. 25 says this, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet, stay on the safe path. 27 says this, got it? All right, don't forget, don't get sidetracked, keep your feet from following evil. Let's put our hands in our Bible. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. We thank you right now for this message that we're about to receive. Lord, may I decrease and you increase. We pray this in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.
So we, here we are, part two of our Heart for the House series, Receiving Your Healing. How many people are ready to receive your healing? Amen? You want to be free from bondage. You want to be free from unforgiveness. You want to receive your healing to be able to rejoice in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen? So today in our journey and getting to the place where we want to express the hope that we will receive today and sharing that hope with love towards others, we are going to focus on the last three verses of the passage we just read. We're going to look at those verses again. Verse 25 says this, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. So here's the first point. Look straight ahead. Look straight ahead. Straight past what, you look, what your circumstances are. When we read these verses, we can conclude that our mouth, lips, eyes, and feet are physical symbols of communication, attention, and behavior. I'll say that again. We can conclude that our mouth, lips, eyes, and feet are physical symbols for communication and attention and behavior. As you recall, I said this last week, if our hearts were filled with trash, bitterness, unforgiveness, hatred, racism, that's what's going to come out of our, what we say with our mouths. So for us to stop talking trash, we have to be careful with what we allow in our hearts. Remember, I brought, I brought the trash can out, right? Now, I was dragging that. We were talking about, we are carrying trash. And if that's in our heart, all these things that I talk about, bitterness, unforgiveness, racism, all that stuff, that's going to come out of our mouth because it's right here in our heart. And for us to be able to stop talking trash, we have to get our heart right with God. Amen? Because you know what? None of us in the house of the Lord should be bitter, unforgiving, angry, and definitely not racist because we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? So we welcome every background here, every culture here, black, white, Muslim, you know, I mean, Arabic and Spanish and Italian, whatever you want, your background is, we welcome that because the house of God is going to be filled, heaven is going to be filled from people from all over the world. Amen? And we want to have that in the house of God. Praise the Lord. I, think, I love the fact that we are a diverse church. Look around you. Praise the Lord. We are diverse. Amen? And we continue to be diverse. Well, everybody's welcome to be a part of abiding hope. Praise the Lord. Here's what it says in Luke 6.45. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So the way you keep your heart pure is to focus your eyes on the Lord. Fix your eyes on the Lord. Amen? Eyes and eyelids that look straight ahead is to walk, walk with purpose. We don't turn aside for sin or for anything that is unworthy. In the day when the mass media bombards us with hype designed to arouse our sinful appetite, we must learn to keep our eyes on Jesus. Have you noticed that our media is getting us to be divided in our country, causing drama in our lives? And most of that stuff is not even true. Trying to cause us, and some of it is. But how do we respond to that? With love for one another. Amen? With love for one another. But our media tries to bombard us with that stuff. Okay, their job is to inform us, but sometimes they take things out of context, and then we, we begin to see that, and it, it shapes the way we see people or view people. I want you to learn to look through the filters of God's eyes. How does God see every single one of us? Right? He loves us. He knows the numbers of hairs on their head. Right? For me, my hairs are getting thinner, so he knows, the number, he knows every hair that comes out. He knows. One came off. He knows the number. He cares about every single detail of our life, and so he wants us to love the way he loves. He wants us to see others the way that he sees them. Amen? 
but that our media bombards us with this hype designed to arouse our sinful appetite. We begin to, the more we listen to that negativity, we begin to hate various cultural backgrounds because we hear about all the negative stuff. You got to be careful with that. Amen? Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Because out of the mouth, the, what? Out of the, the, the mouth speaks out of the abundance of the heart, right? Hebrews 12, 1, 2 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily, easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Amen? So, if I try to run a race, I've got my backpack. It's pretty heavy, okay? Putting my backpack on because, you know, I want to get fit. I got, I got my Apple Watch on. I'm going to count my calories, right? So I want to get fit for the Lord. So I got my backpack on, and then I'm going to put my helmet on because I'm going to run so fast. I'm going to be like the Flash or Sonic the Hedgehog, right? I'm going to run so fast, fast that I don't want to hit the door when I run. So I'm going to put this helmet on my head and to protect my head because, man, I tell you what, your pastor got some wheels. Woo! I'm fast, all right? So I'm going to put this on my head. All right? I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to keep myself from running into the wall because, man, when I take off, I could take off, right? All right, so I'm, I'm, getting, I'm trying to get fit, fit. I'm trying to do the, the whole CrossFit type of thing, so I've got my backpack on. And so I'm going to go ahead and, and take this. Something fell. Oops. Wow, okay. I'm that fit that I'm dropping stuff. Here we go. All right? And so I'm wrapping this around my waist. It's, you know, I'm trying to get, like, rocky. You know? Dun, 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 dun. Huh? Yeah, well, he pulled a bicycle. So I'm exercising. Last week, I talked about boxing. Remember, I talked about boxing. And this week, I'm talking about running. So if I'm going to go, and in five, four, three, two, one, I'm trying to take off, I can't really take off. I can't. Why? Because I'm carrying some weight. I have a lot I'm dragging. It's holding me back. And so I can't take off running in the direction that God wants me because all that stuff that's back there is holding me back. All that unforgiveness, all that bitterness, all that hatred is holding me back from getting to where God wants me to be. So what do I have to do to get free of that? I have to throw that stuff off me, okay? Take it off me, all right? Even if I have to take it like this and wiggle, you know, you ever heard that song, wiggle, 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 okay? And you take that stuff off you so that you'd be able to take off running towards the kingdom of God, right? So when you're free of the bondage, praise the Lord, this is where you should be clapping. You are running in freedom for God has done something supernatural in your life and you are able to be free because you're not holding on to the bondage of the past. You are free from that bondage and you can run the race that God has called you to run with purpose and anticipation. But you can't take off running when you have all that weight on you. You can't. You're dragging too much stuff. And people, I'm trying to get you to understand. Let go of the hurt of the past. Let go of the pain so you can be free and run this race with endurance. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's what God wants to do in our life. He's ready to do that for us. So, you know, I can't take off running when I have baggage, when I'm holding on to stuff. The Christian life is a race that requires discipline and endurance. We must strip ourselves of everything that will hinder us. Take it off you. 
Putting on the, body, the armor of Christ is not putting on bitterness, anger, unforgiveness. No. Put on the armor of Christ is I put on the helmet of salvation. Right? I got the sword of the spirit. Right? I got the shoes of righteousness. I got the breastplate of righteousness. I got all that. Right? That's putting on the armor of Christ. But the world will say opposite of that. We must strip ourselves of everything that will hinder us. Weights are things that may be harmless in themselves and yet hinder the, prog- the progress. These weights can include material possessions. Man, I got my super deluxe shotgun, and I can hit a deer 100 yards out. I can even split the nose hairs on your nose and from 100 yards out. That's what I got. That's material possessions. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work everything I can to get that super soaker gun, that, that shotgun, that I can kill you from a mile away, right? Or oh, there's the family ties, like the movie um, Waterboy. Mama said... Mama, mama says school's the devil, right? Family ties hold us back. And there's the weight for love of comfort. I don't want to walk, rock the boat because then I'm going to get bit by the big bad people. And there's the weight of lack of mobility. We sit here. Oh, pastor, I work so hard. And I'm tired. I've been there. I saw everything. And now, you know, I'm just going to sit and watch and you do everything. That's the weight. Okay? Those are weights. Weights of materialism, weights of family ties, weights of of comfort, and weights of a lack of mobility. That can hinder us. And I'm, you know, you said it. I've seen it all. But we we must also lay aside the sin which so easily trips us up. This means sin in any form, but especially the sin of unbelief. That's the greatest sin it's the sin of unbelief. Right? The Bible says, how can you have, without faith, it's impossible to do what? Well, we, need to, we need to work on that, right? Without faith, it's impossible to please what? God. We must have complete trust in the promises of God and complete confidence that the life of faith is a sure way to win the race. That we, everything in the Christian life is rosy. We must p- be prepared to press on with perseverance or persistence through trials and distress. Here's the second thing. Watch your step. Watch your step. In other countries, mind the gap. When I was a missionary in India, when we, ent- when we get onto the subway or the metro there, you have to watch out with the space in between the platform and the train, right? And it'll say, mind the gap. Watch your step. We got to watch our step. That's recorded to verse 26. Because, you know, so when, before we enter the train, they want us to be careful that we don't fall in between the platform and the train, right? So we all know that sin leads to regret. The Bible explains it, and the experience of life confirms it. When we mess up, we cry, I fall into sin. But in reality, it's not true. No one falls into sin. We walk into sin one step at a time. We don't accidentally fall into sin. We walk into sin one step at a time. And the whole time, the Holy Spirit says, watch your step. Mind the gap. You're heading for problems and disasters, but we take one step and then another one, until finally we are all knotted up and trapped in our sin. Stop. Look. Listen. 
We teach this to our kids to keep them from running into the street. Spiritually, we need to be taught the same thing. Stop what you're doing. Don't take another step. Don't go in there. Don't hang around there. Look up and listen. And here's what you say to the Lord. You are with me, and I want to cultivate the practice of your presence in this very moment. I want you more in my life than this sin. You know, he wants to help you get past the things that hold you down. He's not the kind of God that says, worship me only, and you're on your own. He wants to help us, right? He empowers us. He equips us. He's there to walk us, walk with us, to lead us in a path that we need to go. And if you think this is a good word, but a little too late because you walked into sinful situations, if you're already knotted up or trapped in sin, don't worry. There's hope for you. Here's what Isaiah 52, 7 says. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messengers who bring good news, the good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. And I think about feet. I'm not talking about Smiley's feet, okay? But the feet that are described here are the feet of Jesus. Think about his feet. I see them walking on the waves of a storm, getting out of the boat without sinking. Do you remember that message I shared with the boat that was right here? I see his feet getting out in a storm without sinking. Okay? They're there. I see them walking on the waves of the storms, getting out of the boat without sinking. This shows that he is in control of whatever situation we're walking in. The fact that he did not sink shows that he's in control whatever situation we are walking in. I see the feet of Jesus walking in Samaria, where the Jews considered them to be half-breeds, and therefore had nothing to do with them, but not Jesus. In fact, John tells us in John 4, 4, he had to go through Samaria to give hope to one woman who had messed up her life. And if you read the story in John chapter 4, verses 7 to 29, Jesus walks where no one else does to bring good news to people who are hurting, to people who are in despair, to people like us. Now is the time to receive our healing, but we have to get to the place that we are. Number three, don't get, don't get sidetracked. We don't get sidetracked. Number three, keep your feet from following evil. That's what the scripture says, right? Deuteronomy 5, 20, 32 to 33 says this. So Moses told the people, you must be careful to obey all the commands of the Lord your God. Follow his instructions in every detail. Stay on the same on the, the path that God, the Lord your God, has commanded you to follow. Then you will live long and prosperous lives. Stay on the path that the Lord has commanded you to follow. We cannot get sidetracked in our walk with God. To receive our healing, we have to call on the Lord to guide our steps when the devil sets traps in our way. Amen? Don't let the trap of unforgiveness set in you, the trap of bitterness stick with you, the trap of hatred consume you, and the trap of racism blind you from the healing that's waiting on the other side. Stop, look, and listen. Amen? Stop, look, and listen. Don't go down that path. Turn back around. Fix your eyes on the Lord. Amen? So how do we receive our healing? The answer is in verse 25. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Look straight ahead. For me, look up. 
Look at the Lord. Fix your eyes on him. Take your eyes off the situation. Take your eyes off the circumstance. Be consumed by him, not what you're going through. Amen? To receive your healing. Focus. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. You have to watch your step. Here's the thing I want you to make sure you leave with. To have a heart for the house and receive your healing, you must look straight ahead to Jesus. You must watch your step, and you must keep yourself from getting sidetracked. That's it. Amen? You must look straight ahead to Jesus. You must watch your step, and you must keep yourself from getting sidetracked. These are the keys that will help you f uh, your feet from following evil. Okay? How do we do that? How do we receive our healing for our hearts? You don't want to miss this, so write this down. Okay, this is something you want to write down on the back of your bulletin. Take pictures of the slides. Go back and listen to the message or ask for the sermon notes. Do not leave here blindfolded. We are landing this rocket ship in five, four, three, two, one. Five ways God can heal your heart. This is the application. This is the most important part. If anything else you can listen to, this is what I want you to take home with you. You ready? Number one, God will open your eyes to the truth of the gospel. That's the first thing he does in the process of healing. He will open your eyes to the truth of the gospel. Any true healing must begin with our relationship with Jesus. This is the point that Jesus made over and over again right at the beginning of his public ministry. In Mark chapter 2, verse 17, Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Thank God for that. He called every single one of us who are sinners, right? Who needed a savior. The gospel is the good news that God saves us when we repent of our sins, our and place our faith in Jesus Christ and depend on God's grace alone for salvation. God wants us, us whole. God wants us pure. God wants us free from sin. Amen? You don't hear about that no more, right? Holiness, righteousness. God wants us to be pure-hearted, right? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they should do what? See God. Amen? When you're pure-hearted. So if God is truly beginning to heal your heart, your eyes would be drawn to the glorious person and the work of Jesus Christ. Number two, God will heal your heart by confronting any personal sin that is causing the damage. God will heal your heart by confronting any personal sin that is causing the damage. God loves us that much that he's going to say, hey, this area in your life, I want you to turn it over to me. Okay? It's not condemnation. He's trying to get you to get right on, on track with him, okay? Therefore, no condemnation will separate us from the love of God, right? But he's not going to let us sit there and drown ourselves in our sins. He said no. He's going to give you a heart to, by confronting any personal sin that is causing the damage. There are certain wounds to the heart that happen for reasons besides personal sin. If you are abused by someone, if a tragedy happens in your life, if you lose a relationship you truly cared about, these are examples of wounds that are not because of personal sin. Okay? That's not what I'm saying. That has happened. However, very often the deepest wounds in our hearts are caused by our own sinful actions. By our own sinful actions. All those other things are uncontrollable things that happen. Okay? But sometimes, very often, very often, our deepest wounds in our hearts are caused by our own sinful actions. God will not heal your heart and then leave the source of the problem to damage your heart again. God never heals us by ignoring the root issue. God fervently attacks sin in our lives, and he won't let us ignore anything that we are allowing to pull us away from him. He loves us. That's why he's sitting there saying, come back. Come back. I need you. Come. I want you to be in fellowship with me. I'm going to help you through this. Amen? 
So one sign that God is truly beginning to heal your heart is if he is magnifying your convictions towards your sin. Another sign that God is truly beginning to heal your heart if the Holy Spirit is forming a passionate conviction in your life to repent from the sins in your life. The Holy Spirit telling you to do that? Is he putting that conviction there? Walk away from that? Turn away? Go the other way? Right? Repent means what? Not to ask God for forgiveness and continue doing the sin. Walk away from it. Get away. Go the opposite direction. All right? Number three. Here's the third thing. Receiving your healing. God will heal your heart by causing you to offer people radical, undeserved forgiveness. Bible says if we're not forgiving our others that we can see, right, how can we expect the Lord to forgive us? We have to forgive others, undeserved forgiveness. When you forgive someone who doesn't deserve it, you are taking back your control. God doesn't force us to forgive. He commands forgiveness, but then lets it be our choice. We have to choose that. One of the reasons God allows our forgiveness of others to be our choice is because God knows that choosing is part of the healing process. Part of the healing process. When you choose to forgive, you are telling the, the person who hurt you that they do not control you. They cannot tell you what to do, and they cannot take away your freedom to live the way you want. Do you know why God chose to forgive us even though we didn't deserve it? Because God is sovereign, and he, chose to do, he chooses to do whatever he wants because God has supreme power and control over everything he choose or cho uh, chooses to send Jesus to pay for our sins so that we could be forgiven. Amen? He chose that for us. Romans 1.16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Likewise, when the Holy Spirit enters us, God gives us the power to do whatever that shows the world that they do not control us. Forgiveness is one of the most powerful ways to find the healing your heart desperately desires. Here's number four. When God truly begins to heal your heart, he will cause you to not waste your pain. When painful things happen in our lives, there are so many things we don't know. We won't know what the outcome would be, and we won't know how long this pain will last, and we won't know why all this is happening, but there's one thing we can know with certainty, pain will change you. It will change you. I can guarantee you that when you go through something very painful and traumatic, you will never be the same again. I don't know how it would change you, but I know life would never be the same now that the pain has happened. When we accept the fact that nothing will ever be the same because of this pain, we can then we then have to make the choice that, in, that is in our control. How will this pain change us? It may not change the circumstance, but how could it change us? We will be, be, we will be changed by pain, but how we are changed depends on what we do with our pain. Say that again. We will be changed by pain, but how, will we, how we are changed, but how we are changed depends on what we do with our pain. If we use our pain to press into God rather than using it to run from God, God, our pain can actually become part of the healing process. Ironically, God often brings the deepest forms of healing to our heart through the most painful life circumstances. Oftentimes, we won't let God touch the most broken places in our hearts until we have, other, we have, we have no choice. When we get desperate enough, then we allow him to, to touch the broken place, pieces in our heart. Sometimes when life finally knocks us down, it is only then that we are open up enough for God's healing to touch, to reach 
the deepest wounds within us. So when God is truly healing you, he won't let you waste your pain. He will use your pain to transform you into someone completely different than the person you were before the pain took place. We can't escape the trials of life, but we, can do, we do have a choice in how we respond in our darkest hour. We will, will we cry out to God, or we will run with all the weight of pain holding us back? Will we cry out to God, or will we continue to try to run with all the pain, the hurt, the weight, and try to walk through life like that? He wants us to cry out to him. Amen? Here's the fifth and last one. God will heal your heart through bringing you into his presence. There's so much more that could be said about the process of healing, but without doubt, the deepest healing always occurs to being in the presence of God. In 2 Corinthians 3.17, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If you want a spiritual healing, you must connect with the Holy Spirit. I can't explain this point to you. If you want healing, if you want to come out of the valley and into the light, then you must experience the presence of God personally in your life. Now is the time to experience the presence of God in a personal way. Now is your moment for healing. Now is the time to throw the weight off you and run the race that is set before you. Now is the time that you run with endurance. Who's ready to run? Who's ready to receive your healing today? Who's ready for that? Who wants to walk away from the bondage of the past? Who wants to walk away from the painful experiences? And even though that may have changed our life in some ways, we have a choice to say it's not going to change who I am. I'm going to be free to this morning. But I can't force you to do that. I'm not talking about only a, a physical healing, but I'm also talking about healing in your heart, healing from your past pains and your hurts. We dealt with our hurt last week, and now it's time to receive our healing. We are going to stand to our feet in five, four, three, two, one. Let's stand to our feet and receive our healing. Here's what I want you to do. If I can have one of my sound guys come over here and fix this for me. Reach out your hand towards the front. Let's ask God to heal us this morning. Let's ask God to give us a heart for the house. <laughs> we can't have a heart for the house unless our heart's right. If our heart's full with pain, bitterness, and sin, I know I'm making a mess this morning. I'm dropping stuff and breaking stuff. Praise God. I need a new heart. <laughs> I'm wrestling. <laughs> Reach out your hand. I'm going to pray over you. And for time's sake, I'm not going to have you run up front because I know some of you want to get to the restaurant before everybody else does. You got to beat that 1230 rush to get to eat for Father's Day. And I, I get that. I love you that much. So. But I'm going to pray for you from over here, okay? Extend your hands. You say, I want a healing. I want to be healed from the past. I don't want to drag this stuff with me. I don't want to drag it wherever I go because it's holding me back, Pastor. It's holding me back. It's heavy. It's a heavy weight. You don't know what I'm, you don't know what I'm dealing with. How can you relate to me? Because I, my pain is different from yours. Hey, I've been through some pain too. And what happened to me when I was a child in the church is I was actually touched by a person inappropriately in the church. 
and it's painful for me to, to talk about that. And when I sh- expressed that to my mom at the time, she didn't believe me, but then she realized it was true. And that scarred me for a long time. And I had to deal with the anger because of that. I had to deal with all the unforgiveness because of that. But I got to a place where I said, Lord, I let go and I love that person. If I see them, I don't have any kind of hatred towards them. How many of you are wrestling with pain? You're still holding on to it. You put it around your back like a backpack. You know, you just hold it on to it. It's like, boy, I'm a pastor. I've just gotten used to it. It's a part of me. It's who I am. And you carry it. And then you wonder why, you know, people get close to you, but then you start pulling back. I had somebody tell me, Pastor, when I get to a point, when I just get close to somebody, I pull back. And I said, why do you do that? Because of the pain. Guess what? We're going to hurt each other because we're imperfect. I'm going to say something that may offend you sometime, okay? But if you're going to leave the church because of that, come on now. We've got to deal with that pain, right? We've got to deal with that. And so we walk around like that. We don't even realize it, that we've wounded. But it comes out with our attitudes. It comes out with what you say with our mouths. Maybe it comes out of some looks that we have. We look at, we be eyeballing people like, and God wants you to be free of that. So with your hands extended, I'm going to sort of pray over you. And not because I'm some kind of wizard or, you know, powerful man of God and, you know, look at me, you know. But the Holy Spirit is going to deliver you right now in the name of Jesus. Hey, this is Pastor Raphael. Thank you for listening to this message. Abiding Hope Worship Center is a hope-filled church, and together we can become a hope-filled people. God bless you.